I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello to all my Guardians of Grace guard dogs located all around the world tuning in to the podcast here tonight. Unfortunately, Brother Bill couldn't make it because... We don't know where he is. Just kidding. He was tied up with the the cares of the world. The cares of the world have got him, and he's got some things he has to do. So he can't be here. But that gives me some quality time with everybody out there, and I appreciate it. I actually long for this time to let the rivers of living water flow and it would be great if they flowed from something we said in the last podcast because in the last podcast we were talking about at least during the middle of the podcast we were talking about the idea of our former way of life and we actually said we should devote a podcast to it to the idea of what our former way of life means. Because as Bill was saying to him and to myself in the beginning of our Christian lives, it it meant your former way of life when you used to hit the bars and go out with all your buddies and cut up. We're going to find out that that's not exactly what the former way of life actually means. And it is a, a beautiful thing what the former way of life really means, and I'm talking about the former way of life mentioned in Ephesians 4.20 and following. But before we go there, I just want to play the part of last week's podcast where we were talking about this idea of the former way of life and how we mentioned that we would do the next podcast on the subject. So with that in mind, listen to what was said last week. Read what the rest of it says. Okay. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, I see a couple grammar issues here with the Apostle Paul. Yes, and I think that should be our topic for the next podcast. What it means, your former way of life, and just go through all that 
because it's the perfect time to teach the idea of eternal statements and temporal statements, because that's what we just turned the corner and went into. So you're saying it's not a grammatical. When you get it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So he says, you've been taught in reference to your former manner of life. That was the, the natural man that does not understand the things of God. Natural and uh, former in God's eyes. Well, I mean, what did you used to think it meant? You were taught in regard to your former way of life. What did you think that, I, what did you used to think that meant? I thought it meant that now you're a Christian and you can't do the things you used to do. That's your former way of life. But it's not that at all. It is not that at all. No, it isn't. It's a glorious truth. It is not stop going to the bars like you formerly did before you were saved, your former way of life. It's not that at all. It's something really cool, and it helps you when you've had a terrible, terrible day and you've done things you didn't like, and you've showed things about yourself that you do not like about yourself. What it's talking about in regards to your former way of life, that is what in your day-to-day experience is your present tense day of life. It's everything you do not like about yourself in God's eyes is your former way of life because he made that life die with Christ at his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. Everything you do not like about yourself from now till the time you stop breathing, everything you don't like about yourself in God's eyes died with Jesus at the cross and was buried with him in the grave. That part of you that you don't like about yourself is called the former way of life. Even though you still see it. From our point of view, it's the present day experience. Okay, that is what we talked about in the last podcast. And there's some things that I need to make sure are clear and that have been backed up by the Bible because we were saying that it does, that in the passage, what was being said does not refer to the days when we were ratting the streets and going to bars and things. It doesn't refer to that. It refers to something else in God's mind. He's defined former way of life differently than what I always thought it was in the beginning. So after making such a bold statement, we have to show what gives us the license to be so bold and to make such an outrageous statement. In other words, we have to back up what we're saying with the Bible. And I believe we can by God's grace. So that's what we want to do in this podcast. So let me just briefly read the passage that we were on when we started this conversation and made the statements that we did. It's in Ephesians 4, And it starts in verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way, 
if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him as the truth as in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with its lust and deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. That's the passage. The passage says, in regard to your former way of life, and that was the phrase that we were keying in on, it says, lay aside your old man, which is present tense, being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So one more time, we're making the case that your former way of life is a former way of life in God's mind, in God's sight. And it is a present tense happening to you and I. It's very much happening right now. Our former way of life is driving us crazy. In other words, our old man the old man of us is driving us crazy. He's that former way of life. That's what it said. In regard to your former way of life, lay off the old man, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires. Well, we can make the case that the old man of us or the former way of life is past tense in God's eyes, but present tense in our eyes by merely turning to Romans chapter 6. And that's what I want to do because it alludes to a miracle that Christ and God pulled off at the cross and how God and Christ mixed time and eternity together to pull off said miracle. With that in mind, let's go to Romans chapter 6. We'll start off in 6.1, and I think you'll like this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Meganoita, may it never be. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? And here's the part you want to get. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we become united with him in likeness of his death, we'll also be in likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, and this is the part we want to key in on, knowing that the old man of us was crucified 
with Jesus, knowing that the old man of us was crucified with Jesus. It's literally the ancient man. That's how former the old man of us was. And it's the old man of us. It's that part of us that we don't like about ourselves and we call him the old man of us. There's a difference there. The old man of us, the part of us that embarrasses us, that's called the old man of us or the ancient man of us. And he was very much the former life. So much former that his sins and lawless deeds, God remembers no more because he made a covenant that he would consider that part of us so ancient and separate that part of us from us that he couldn't even remember the time that he did it. That's how former our old man is. That's why in Ephesians 4.22, when it says, put off the old man of us who is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, that is from our point of view. We're saying, hey, no, I'm very much alive. I didn't die with Christ. Well, God said in his eyes, you did die with Christ, and that's what you are supposed to accept by faith. You believe in the miracle that God and Jesus pulled off at the cross. And in God's eyes, your sin debt was paid because the old man of you died at the cross and paid the wages of sin. Remember, the wages of sin is death. Well, the old man of us paid those wages when Christ died at the cross. That's what God says happened. That means it's the truth. That's why it says you are taught in him in the truth. Whatever God says is the truth, and we accept it by faith. We don't make up truth. God makes up truth. And we believe in what God says. And he says the old man of us that in Ephesians 4.22, it says is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, present tense. God clearly showed us that he sees it as past tense, your former way of life in which you used to live before you died and paid for all those sins. You ancient man, you. I'm joking when I say ancient man, you, because it's actually the ancient man of you. You're not identified with that ancient man. He died and you live. Big difference. So, let me point out the contradiction between Romans 6.6 6 and Ephesians 4.22 because it allows us to bring out the idea of eternal points of view versus temporal points of view. Romans 6.6, 6, the old man of us was crucified past tense when Christ died at the cross. That's what Romans 6, 1 through 6 says. 
that we were placed in Christ when he died at the cross and we were buried with Christ. And the old man of us was crucified in contrast to Ephesians 4.22, which says the old man is present tense being corrupted by his deceitful desires. There's a contradiction there. Either the old man was crucified or the old man is not crucified and still being corrupted by his deceitful desires. Do you see the contradiction or the apparent contradiction? Because there is no actual contradiction. The old man was crucified in God's eyes. The old man is present tense being corrupted by his deceitful desires in our human eyes during the course of a day in our day-to-day experience. There are two different doctrines. They're like apples and oranges. They talk about two different things. One is an eternal truth telling us what God saw when Christ died at the cross. The other one is a temporal truth telling us what we see when we embarrass ourselves. We see the old man of us misbehaving. Two entirely different thoughts using the same word, but There is no contradiction, and it brings out the idea that this Bible speaks many times about temporal things and brings out temporal doctrines and tells you many teachings on the temporal plane. And it also tells us about God's eternal point of view and eternal doctrines. Like we were all raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly realms in Ephesians 2. That is an eternal truth that we accept by faith because we would say, no, I'm right here on earth. I was never seated in the heavenly realms. Those are eternal truths that you accept by faith. Eternal truths are always something that we never saw happen. We accept those by faith. Temporal truths are all about what we see and experience, and you just have to know that there are temporal truths being spoke about in the Bible, and there are eternal truths being spoke about the Bible. Otherwise, the Bible can be so confusing Let me say that again. It can be so confusing. I was so confused in the beginning of my Christian walk because I did not make this distinction. And I thought, man, the Bible is contradicting itself. Or I picked daisies with my salvation. Oh, I'm saved. No, I'm not saved. Yes, I'm saved. Oh, God's point of view is that I'm saved. Oh, man's point of view is that I still need to be justified. Oh, I'm not behaving very well. Oh, in God's size eyes, I behave perfectly. Eternal points of view versus temporal, and you have to know that they're there in the Bible. Let me give another classic example, one where an eternal truth and a temporal truth are right 
in the same verse, okay? We'll look at one where the eternal truth and the temporal truth are right in the same verse. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, and we'll start in verse 10. Thieves, nor covetous people, nor drunkards, nor revilers or swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's scary. I still see myself as those people. I can be guilty of you know, a little swindle here or there or misrepresenting the truth. That's a swindler. I can do that on just the smallest little teeniest level, but it still makes me a swindler. And it still horrifies me to listen to a verse like that. Because after I was saved, I still did some of those things. I still do some of those things. Does that mean I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? That's scary. That's condemning. Horrible thought to have in your mind that you're condemned by God because after you were saved, you still continued to do some of these things. But let's finish this thought, okay? Because in verse 11, it says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit of our God. God, you were justified and sanctified and washed. I was? Well, what happens if I get dirty again? Then, then I'm not sanctified or cleaned. No, you are always sanctified and clean because this passage is giving you an eternal truth again. You were in God's eyes sanctified, justified, washed, cleansed of all your sins through what Christ did at the cross. And what you're seeing that isn't acting very clean is the old man of you, which will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says these swindlers and these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, the old man of us that we see doing these things after we were saved will not inherit the kingdom of God, but we will because we were washed and were sanctified. Our former way of life in God's eyes seems very much our present tense life in our eyes when we've had a bad day. But this eternal truth is an anchor for our souls. What do I mean by our souls? Our mind, our psyche. When we are scared half to death that we will not inherit the kingdom of God because of our behavior on any given day, when we just mess up, we can feel condemned. But the truth is, God and Jesus took care of that predicament. They took care of that problem by separating you as far as the east is 
from the West to your sins. Your sins were left in the grave and you were raised and seated in the heavenly realms, eternal truths that you accept by faith in Christ at the right hand of God. That you accept by faith and it calms you down when you've just blown it so bad because right here in these two verses is an eternal truth and a temporal truth. Do you see it? There are eternal truths and they're good news. They're euangelion, good news. That's the gospel. The good news means the gospel. Well, those eternal truths are the good news. God has done everything for you and you are okay in his sight. So allow your conscience to be sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience towards God. In other words, between you and God, you're okay. You may owe the people around you an apology. You may owe them some form of repentance and you may need to make amends to the people around you, but Jesus made the amends for you between you and God. Matter of fact, I think we should look at, at, at Hebrews chapter 10 because it, it says a mouthful. Let's go there to Hebrews. In Hebrews 10, 22, the writer of Hebrews is making a statement. He's saying, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Remember, we put faith in the eternal truths. The eternal truth says God washed us and cleansed us and justified us. And we can put our confidence in that truth when we've had a bad day, when we've fallen, when we've embarrassed ourselves. We can still draw near with full assurance, having our hearts clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, when we've had a bad day, we come to God and say, God, I need more of you. And we come with full assurance that he's listening to us and is on our side. And he sees us as being our bodies washed with water and our hearts sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience. We use this eternal truth that God died for our sins and we are in right relationship with him because of Christ, that eternal truth that we accept by faith, we hold on to that. And when we've seen ourselves fall the hardest, we come to God fully persuaded that he's taking care of that (laughs) boo-boo, that mistake we've made. We're coming to God fully convinced that our sins and lawless deeds he'll remember no more. And that when we come to him, we can say, Lord, I need more of you because not that I let you down because you took care of everything. I let the people around me down. It's all about the people around you. 
They're the ones that you have to make amends with. They're the ones that you have to confess your sins to. Hey, I blew it. I, I said this about you, and you don't even know that I said this about you, but I did, and it's probably you're probably going to hear about it. It's going to come back to haunt me. So I want to tell you, I want to confess to you that I've done this. But to God, those things that we would want to confess he left in the grave when Jesus was buried. And when Jesus rose up again, that's when it was left in the grave. So we don't have to worry about that thing that we were just fixing to confess to God. He's already taking care of it. He already calls that what the old man of us did. He already calls that what we did in our former way of life, former before he paid for all our sins, very much present tense in our minds. Hopefully this concept is beginning to take shape. In our minds, it's very much present tense. In our minds, it bothers us very bad. And it should bother us with the menses we have to make to the people around us. But in our relationship with God, he took care of those failures, took care of them. And those failures, he'll remember no more. That's the good news that your mind anchors itself to when you see yourself misbehave after you've tried so hard to be a model Christian and not to let the people around you down. Because this is the people I'm talking to, not people who would take it as a license to do whatever they want because... That's not what this ministry is about. We're talking to the people that try just as hard as they can to live an exemplary Christian life and not to let their friends down, to build them up and edify them and have something to share with them when they come around, to be a lender and not a borrower. These are the Christians that we're talking to. Christians like Paul, who said, this very thing I purpose to do, he does the gospel. He fought the good fight. We are fighting, and we are being told not to fight in our own human strength anymore. We are trying to get that teaching, the teaching of the new covenant. We're trying to absorb that teaching, but as we do, and we learn to depend on the power of God more and more when we see ourselves not rising to the standards that we want to see ourselves performing at, we can still come to God knowing that his act, his actions at the cross took care of our failures and that's the good news. That's the eternal point of view that we need to root ourselves in and root ourselves in it solidly. Don't allow somebody to say, no, you're not really right with God. You need a checkup from the neck up. No, you don't. 
because you didn't make yourself wrong with God. It was sin dwelling in you. But that sin that dwells in you, God took care of. He became, and I'm quoting Romans 8 two. he became like flesh, like sinful flesh, and he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned the sin guy, the person that battles within you and makes you a prisoner of sin and embarrasses you all over again. He judged that sin guy and left you washed and clean and justified in his sight. He's got peace with you. Please have peace with him. He has reconciled you to himself, so be reconciled to God. That's what I'm asking. That's what this podcast is about. That's what we're wanting to get across to you is that you are reconciled to God. And we needed to go over what that former way of life was in the last podcast because we didn't give it the attention it needs. But it's a very comforting doctrine. It's a doctrine. It's a doctrine that we believe in. The doctrine of how God sees us because of what Christ did at the cross. Please tell me this is beginning to make sense. Matter of fact, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and we'll, we'll drive this idea home. Look at with me at Ephesians chapter 5 starting in verse 25, where it says, Husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present her to himself blameless, without spot or wrinkle. There again, point blank, indicative statement. It's saying he washed her and cleansed her. How did he do this? Through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. It wasn't easy for him to do this. It was one whale of a sacrifice to get us washed and cleaned, but he did it. He did it for us. And that's an indicative statement saying that he did wash us and clean us, even though the old man of us will not inherit the kingdom of God. Even though the old man of us does not inherit the kingdom of God, we inherit the kingdom of God. But the old man of us, the flesh of us, the human nature, of us does not inherit the kingdom of God. What does 1 Corinthians 15 say? I tell you a mystery, but flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. But we inherit the kingdom of God because of what Jesus did for us, because he washed us and cleaned us. And, and even though we have a bad day, in the temporal world, it does not negate the eternal truths. And I want to close with just that one thought. 
hopefully being nailed down so that you can take comfort in it and your roots can grow in the idea that there are eternal points of view and they are good news and nothing can change them. Then there are the temporal ideas where you can see yourself behaving either good or bad but they do not negate what Jesus did at the cross. Please allow, no, please God, allow us to take root in this one eternal doctrine, the one that shows us that no matter how bad we're acting during a day, you have taken care of all our misbehavior through what your son so mercifully did at the cross, so valiantly did at the cross. My goodness, the amount of bravery Jesus had to muster up to become a sacrifice like that. But look what it paid for. It paid for all our failures and allow us to take root in that one idea, Father, so that we can have peace with ourselves in our relationship towards God. In Jesus' name, I ask. Amen. Thanks, everybody. I love you, and we will catch you on the next podcast. Until then, be blessed.